everybody. This is Chris McLean. This is Hater Radio. And uh, my co-host every week is Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you tonight on Thanksgiving? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I am uh, very full and very excited for football <laughs> this week, for rivalry week. Yeah, for sure, dude. I Man, I ate so much food. We had ribs, actually, which was... We, we did, too, actually. Did, nice. That's great. I love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, we had... Jeez, I had ribs, ham, turkey, stuffing, uh, pumpkin bread, pumpkin pie. Jesus. Uh, we had, My mom made some buffalo dip. I had, like, half of that, too. Um, yeah. We, we had... Probably- friend- we had French onion dip, which went great with the chips that we had. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to go in a comatose state after this. <laughs> yeah, well, for anyone that doesn't know, Ian does this broadcast on the other side of the coast. So he does this um, when we do it later. He ends up being really late. So it's 1145 his time right now. So it's very late for him. And uh I do feel for you, man. So we will try to make this quick tonight. There's a lot to talk about. Obviously, this is the end of the year, so there's a lot going on. Uh, rivalry week is this week, so we'll jump into that at the end. Um, and then we'll go over the games that happened last week first. So let's first jump into it. So week 12 was last week. Um, we had done a live broadcast from, uh, St. Pete when I was in town, Ian came down, uh, over from Clearwater to come, uh, do the live broadcast. We did it on Twitter. Um, I'm going to go ahead and try to, uh, download that and then hopefully put that on the, um, the YouTube channel for hater radio. So if you didn't see that it's on the Twitter profile, you can find it there, or hopefully I can download it and then put it on. YouTube, so you can watch it there if you like. Uh, so let's jump into week 12. So the first game, uh, very disappointing. We both thought that Ohio State was – well, actually, I had Michigan State winning, which I – looking back at that now, I'm like, man, it was a very dumb choice. But uh, Ohio State beats Michigan State 56-7, uh, to seven, blowout. The game was never close. It was oh. – it was over by like midway through the second quarter. Like, I don't even think CJ Stroud played the second half at all. I don't think at all. I, cause I watched the highlights and the, the backup was in there very early. So yeah, uh, pathetic performance by Michigan state, but probably more so the fact that Ohio state was re- very dominant on offense. And I think that was really like the story of the game. Like, you know, they were wide open, you know, down the field, like every time CJ Stroud went back to pass. So, you know, if, if you got, if they're, if your receivers are running that wide open, there's a good chance that you're going to be able to put up a lot of points. And they did uh, anything in this game that stood out, Ian. It's the only thing that says how dominating Ohio state did that. It was very clear from the get go that this was Ohio state's game and they weren't going to have anything to it. I remember just like leaving because I had this game on when I was at work um, I literally looked at the TV, went to leave, take a phone call. And when I came back, it was like 42 to nothing when it was like 21, nothing. Um, and this just showed it's definitely a statement of a win you could possibly get, uh, for the, uh, Buckeyes. It definitely is a big win and definitely one that will carry weight heading into, uh, the final games of the season. Yeah. Cause it's not only a big win, but it's a like, 
monstrous win, like like destroyed. Like it was. Yeah. It proves that they're capable. No, when you look at it, this was Ohio State just completely dismantled them. Yeah, and it, it just proves that they're capable of beating any team at this point. And I think that's all the playoff committee really wants to see is like, can this team play against any team? And with a game like this, it pretty much proves that fact. So um, going forward, they're they're in a really good position. They just have to uh, – they have two really tough games because they play, um, you know, Michigan in the last game and then the Big, uh, big Ten championship. So we'll see what happens there. Um, let's move on. Wake Forest, Clemson. We both had Wake winning, which was a mistake, but whatever. Uh Clemson wins 48-27, probably their biggest offensive output of the year. I don't know for sure. I don't I, they can't verify that without yeah, looking at it, it. It's up there. Yeah, and I'm almost positive it is, but you know, which we did know that. I mean, like even in our score predictions, we kind of knew that uh Clemson was going to put up more points than they have all year. Um but uh Wake Forest just didn't have anything uh, offensively, like they normally have had all year, they only had 27 points. Um, lackluster performance. Uh, Clemson, you know, I, you know, as much as they have struggled at points, they're still at this point, I think they're eight and three. So, eight and three is not terrible. And they got a chance to beat South Carolina this week. And if they do, then nine and three is not a bad year considering it's an off year for them. So, I mean, you'll take nine and three. It's not going to be perfect every year, but you know, it's better than what they thought it would be. And I think they have an outside chance at the uh, ACC championship, right? Cause they beat yeah. wake. Yeah. So it's like between them, NC state and wake forest. So um, anything could happen there. Like, I think there's like a couple of scenarios where I think NC state has the, the best, um foot forward right now but uh regardless i'm you know i'm not putting the nail in the dabo sweeney clemson era yet it's it's just a bad year you know if they could have you know figured this offensive out this offensive like struggles out earlier in the year it would have been a much different story and maybe they only lose like one game. Maybe it's just the, the Georgia game, but they never really figured it out all year except for this game. So uh, hopefully this is a, a trend towards next year so that they'll, they'll be able to move forward. Uh, anything that stands out for you, Ian? Uh, if anything, I was annoyed. I was like, where was this all season? Cause it was the best offensive output they had all year. Uh, really the, the best thing to say is it was far too little, far too late on the season for the offense to really get going. Um, but it is, uh, you know, definitely something to look forward to for the next season. Uh, they play South Carolina and then they'll probably go to a bowl game. Uh, oh, well, they will go to a bowl game. Uh, and that it's just, uh, it's definitely, uh, I won't say a wasted season, but if the offense was able to perform like it did last week, every week and be more consistent, it could have, you know, had the potential to be even better. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. We're going to do this one real quick. USF Tulane, uh, Tulane blows them out 45, 14, just disappointing. I'm, I don't know. I'm really getting tired of, uh, seeing all these losses with USF or something really needs to happen. Um, I've seen like, uh, 
odds that Jeff Scott's on the hot seat with, uh, um, like one of the next to be fired. So I don't know, maybe next year will be a lot different. We'll see. I know the recruiting is getting better. So that's a huge, uh, move in the right direction, but it's just like on field. I like Timmy McLean, but there just needs to be something with the defense. Obviously giving up 45 points to Tulane is not ideal in any way, but uh, let's move on. Iowa state, Oklahoma. This was a very interesting game. I was watching the first half uh, before I had to go to my brother's wedding on Saturday. And uh, man, the, you know, it was very close. It was like back and forth, especially early. And what is it right at near at the end of the first half? Uh, Iowa state is driving and they're at like the 50 and uh, Purdy like takes a, uh, takes a drop back is trying to get away from defenders and then this one defender for Oklahoma just comes running out and like he does this like miraculous tackle and like he doesn't actually hit him or he does, but he like hits his like his helmet goes directly on the ball and the ball goes flying and then it goes backwards. And then, boom, one of the big men for Oklahoma, one of their D linemen picks it up and runs it back for six. And I was like, what a difference in the game. That's probably like the like the like because there's a chance that Iowa State could go and score there on that drive, potentially. I think it was third down. It was a difference because it turned into like a one-touchdown, one-score game. Right, yeah, because Oklahoma only won 28-21. So, uh, wild stuff. But regardless, uh, interesting game. Iowa State was very game. You know, they were very uh, up to the task. Holy shit, I had the exact score. There we go. <laughs> nice. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Just noticed it. Okay, Uh Anything from that that game stand out to you, Ian? Uh, it definitely, you know, it's, you know, even with the win, if Oklahoma d- still remained undefeated, this one I think is still would be enough to maybe drop them out of the top four or even if they were even in the top four, that might be enough to drop them out. Because, again, they still haven't had the most convincing wins. Uh and that, and now they have to go in and play Oklahoma State, um, where you're going and you have to fight for a whole four quarters. So that was the thing. As much as I did like Oklahoma before they lost, they still have yet to have like a clear cut runaway win from a team they are like better than. Um, the only exception I know they played um, TCU. Yeah, they played they played TCU, which they blew out. Um, and I know they played Texas Tech, which was good in the D2 school. But this was a game um, they should have – you know, this was a game that they could have run away with. And even Iowa State, they at least the game plan was smart. They were keeping uh, the ball as long as possible because they knew the Oklahoma offense was its deadliest weapon. So yeah. they were able to – I think, like, time of possession was, like, almost 40 minutes to uh, – uh, like Iowa State had the ball for almost 40 minutes. Uh, so it was definitely a good game plan. It just wasn't able to come to fruition because uh, Oklahoma definitely capitalizes on the turnovers and was able to put up enough points to make it uh, unreachable. All right, let's move on. Ian, I'll let you do this next one. Uh, so go ahead and cover this one. Uh, what, was this the... Uh, you, is this UAB uh, UTSA? Yes. 
<laughs> yes. All right. Awesome. Uh, this game it played out exactly the way I thought it would. I knew UAB was not going to be a slouch, uh, and this was probably going to be uh, the Roadrunners' toughest test of the year. Uh, but it was an overall really uh, good good game from uh, top to bottom. Uh, both sides were fairly dead even. Actually, in the early part, UAB, not even the early part, up until the late part of the fourth quarter, UAB was kind of outplaying uh, UTSA. I know they had more than 100 more yards than uh, UTSA, uh, but I, the uh, – Passing uh, attack from uh, UTSA, as it has all season, has really been able to keep him into the game. Uh, I was uh, Frank Harris. I think he had over 300 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and I know uh, DeCorian Clark of the Roadrunners as well. The wide receivers have been excellent so far this year uh, for UTSA. They've kind of you know relied on that passing attack. Um, and that was enough to get the uh, big plays and, of course, get that huge uh, – touchdown with you know barely any time left it was an absolutely beautiful like not even two minute drill it was like a minute drill uh for utsa to score and get the game-winning touchdown with i think there was only like three seconds left at that point uh so overall a you know fantastic game uh roadrunners remain undefeated um i know they play uh university of uh north texas uh next uh and now they uh will play uh I mean, they've already clinched their uh, conference, their division. So after that, it'll be on to the uh, Conference USA Championship. Yeah, and you know, it's um, it the UTSA. You know, seems like they've got a decent enough offense to really contend with a lot of people. Which in this day and age in college football, you know, yes. You want a good defense, but I think more importantly nowadays, if you have a good enough offense, you know, I mean, look at it with like um, uh, Sanford against Florida where like, you know, they put up 50 points and I know Florida's defense isn't that great, but they were in that game because they could score. And like, that's really the difference nowadays. You have to be able to score. And, you know, you know, with that, with Sanford and Florida, it's like, even if it's an FCS school, they were still able to put up points. And that was why they were in that game. Like, you know, UTSA, because they're able to score, they could probably play against anybody. And I'd like to see where they go bowl game wise. But we talked about it off air before we started how how difficult it is for these smaller conference teams, especially when they go undefeated to really get any type of big name bowl game, more than likely what will happen was to get something rather small. Hopefully they get a decent opponent so they can at least prove themselves, but uh, still a great season for them. And we'll talk about their, uh, their game uh, uh, coming up against uh, North Texas in a little bit. So let's move on to SMU Cincinnati. Cincinnati blows them out and uh, just remarkable. I We both thought it was going to be a closer game. You know, we thought it was going to be like a two score. I thought it was a one score game, but it was Cincinnati pulling out 48-14. Um, Ritter looked really good. Uh, SMU just couldn't answer them at all. Um, I know Cincinnati has a good defense, so, you know, I was expecting them to perform well, but I did not expect – like that type of performance where only 14 points against a really uh, sound offense in SMU. Uh, what stands out to you, Ian, from this game? 
Yeah, you want to talk about statement wins. This was a statement win. Cincinnati made it a point of emphasis uh, to kind of run up on them. Because uh, throughout this whole game, Cincinnati was in control. SMU was out of it from the get-go. Uh, Cincinnati took control, and they showed how a team that they are at least viewed upon as the same level that Cincinnati is like, no, we we are above this Uh part of the season and Cincinnati kind of make it made it a point of all these close wins and finally, you know, blew out a really good uh, opponent. Cause SMU I did think was probably going to be their toughest uh, matchup before uh, uh, at least going to the conference championship, which is uh, going to be Houston now. Um, so it was definitely a big win. It definitely, I think that was, this win was the reason they were able to leapfrog into the top four. Uh, Cause they were willing to, you know, they showed, yes, we can blow out these teams and make these statement wins uh, against teams that are apparently at our same level. Cause they absolutely don't. I don't even think if I remember correctly, like SMU wasn't even able to get like 200 yards of offense. It was like 150 or something. Uh, and Cincinnati had almost 600. Yeah, that's a huge disparity. Yeah, so overall, uh, good win for Cincinnati this season. They, you know, if they didn't have the, the statement win to start, they have it now. Yeah, I mean, you know, you combine the God, Mordecai only had 66 yards passing. That's crazy. Oh yeah, they 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 just that was the thing. They they knew uh, Texas was very pass dominant, so they just. Played a lot of uh, uh, tight coverage uh, and put pre- as much pressure as they could on the uh, on Mordecai. Well, so you know, um, match that SMU victory or beating SMU, and then the victory against Notre Dame, and like it looks really good for uh, Cincinnati's chances. And you know, we'll talk about the playoff stuff in a little bit later. But uh, let's move on to. Virginia and Pitt, two of your favorite uh, quarterbacks, uh, Armstrong and uh, Pickett. Uh, Pitt survives 48-38. Um, what, uh, what did you like out of this game, Ian? Uh, the quarterbacks. I mean, honestly, I mean, it was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh, they, you know, Armstrong had almost 500 yards. I remember seeing the final stat line and Pickett had four touchdowns. He didn't, uh, make two mistakes, gave up two interceptions, but this game was, I, I know it was a 10 point game. So, you know, it, technically two, well, not to it, that is two possessions. Uh, but this game was actually really close. It was very yeah. back and forth, but it didn't take until the very end that Pitt was able to run away. You see it all the time when teams are just tired, they, uh, you know, they just, you know, wear them down. And that's what exactly what happened to Pitt. Once they had that uh, big passing uh, touchdown uh, in the uh, fourth quarter uh, that make it two possessions, you knew there was no way they could come back uh, from that. So it was an absolutely fantastic game uh, from both sides. Um, this is another one of those games where it's a shame somebody has to lose because uh, Pitt and Virginia played, you know, out of their mind, uh, especially Armstrong and Pickett and Davis, the uh, run, run, uh, running back for uh, Pitt as well. He played a very good game. Uh, I know he only had 100 yards, uh, but he was definitely enough to keep uh, the Virginia defense on their toes. 
Yeah. And you know, the picket hype train keeps going because he had pretty good numbers again. And, you know, we didn't talk about it from the Michigan state game, but uh, what's his face, uh, the running back for them uh, really kind of felt, yeah. Walker, he kind of fell off, you know, and like, you know, it's not really his fault because they were down so much that they, they had to get away from the running game, but you know, it kind of lends itself to now, you know, it's really, you know, Pickett and the other two guys. And it's like, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it, I, at this point, the only real thing that's keeping Bryce Young ahead of those other guys is the fact that they're in line for the playoff. And that's really it. So yeah. I don't like, I have no problem with uh, Kenny Pickett winning the Heisman if it comes down to it. I know it's weird because he's a six-year senior, but it's like, I don't really care. It doesn't bother yeah. me. Um, he's performing um, uh, greatly above almost everyone else. He's probably, I would say, I would say he's probably outperforming Bryce Young. And just the only difference is the fact that um, Bryce Young's in the SEC and his team only has one loss. That's really the only difference I, I see right now. I don't know. What what do you think? Well, let's let's save that for later. Let's curtail that. We'll talk about that more in the, the Heisman stuff. Let's move on. Uh, Arkansas, Alabama. Alabama hangs on. This one was a lot closer than I think anyone thought. It was 42 to 35. Um you know, Ian, you thought it was going to be a big blowout, but it only it was ended up being really close. What uh, you know, I, I'm surprised that Arkansas was able to move the ball as well as they did. They found a lot of passing lanes for KJ Jefferson, and uh, you know, it didn't look that great for Alabama. What what do you think Alabama has to do this coming week to shore up the what happened in this game? Uh, well, it's just be more consistent uh, because we're used to Alabama. This is what I'm saying, though, all year is that this is not the same juggernaut smash mouth Alabama team that we're used to. Uh, that's why I wasn't happy with them being at number two uh, for the longest time, because I still don't think they're the second best team uh, in the country. Uh, talent wise, yes, but they completely relied on the offense and the defense uh, definitely uh, let them down. They weren't able to get the necessary stops when needed to. I will give credit, though. The Alabama offense played out of their mind. I know they almost had 700 yards, and Bryce Young almost had 600, and I had five touchdowns. Um, but honestly, the fact that they had to rely on that record-breaking of a performance and it was only a one-possession game, it you know, that no disrespect to Arkansas, they have definitely played out of their mind and have had a fantastic season as well. But this was a game Alabama was supposed to control and dominate, and they they couldn't. They couldn't take control until late in the game and keep Arkansas away. Um, with that being said, I think it was that it was definitely a lot closer than a lot of people uh, thought, and definitely a lot closer than Alabama would have liked. They were able to, you know, still get the win. And they were honestly lucky enough to have that Bryce Young played such a good uh, game. But I think it's going to have to be the defense has to play a more consistent game. 
Damn, I didn't even realize Bryce Young threw for 559. That is that is a ton of yards. Um, yeah, but they needed every ounce of that uh, in that game. Like, if they don't have Bryce Young go off like he did. And what's his face? I mean, Jamison Williams. I mean, I've been talking about him all year. The kid is unreal. And Mechie even had a great game. But I think, yeah. I think that Jamison kid's going to be drafted very highly. I mean, he's having a monster year. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I would see him like top 20, probably top 20 pick, something like that. Okay, uh, let's move on. UCLA, USC, blowout city. UCLA wins 62-33. Um, just DTR doing his thing. You know, they were up and down the field like the entire time. I didn't really see much out of the USC team, but it's it's been like this all year. They've been without a coach since the second week of the season or whatever it was. I don't know when he got fired, but it was very early. early. And uh, yeah, and they've been just kind of going through the motions. So I'm surprised they even scored 33. Um, but uh, anything from you on this game or? You know, it just played out the way I, you know, I expected it to. I will say USA, USA, USC played way better than I thought they would. Um, Cause it was, uh, they definitely had the offensive numbers to put up. It's just the defense completely let them down. I know they gave up over 600 yards and obviously 62 points is the stat that matters there. Uh, the offense played very good for USC, especially given the circumstances. Uh, but USC just, or UCLA just way too overpowered. Uh, to let USC kind of have any chance at uh, taking it away. Yeah. And, um, you know, they'll get a new coach and hopefully this completely changes what's going on. But, uh, um, you know, the rumor mill, we'll talk about this as it's going on, but just the rumor mill with LSU and then, of course, the Florida situation. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, uh, well, let's just jump into it. So we're going to move on to the next topic. It's Florida, Missouri. So Florida loses 23-24 in overtime. Um, The next day, Dan Mullen gets fired. Like, you know, Ian, you thought was going to happen. You were ready for it to happen. I... I was kind of wanting to give him another year. I thought he deserved another year considering what he did for those first three years. But I think what was really the nail in the coffin was just the fact that the recruiting had had such a um, lackluster performance over the last several years. You know, Florida is the flagship university in one of the largest states in the country and is a hotbed for high school football athletes that are usually ones that end up in the NFL. Why over the last several years are they not going to Florida when they're going to other schools? And I think that was something that stood out to Scott Strickland, the AD at Florida that was like, finally, you know, like, you know, it'd be one thing if we were still winning and we weren't getting the recruits, but then it was combining the fact that they're, they were five and six after this Missouri game. And, you know, the recruiting situation was terrible. You know, they, I, I think the one that like last year, Dan Mullen had the opportunity to fire Todd Grantham and he really should have taken it. I don't know what held him back. It was obviously, loyalty to Todd Grantham. And, you know, it was a shame that he led that he let that blind loyalty 
um, prevent him from doing what was needed to be done. Because if he fired him, at least he would give himself uh, like a, a, a like this year at least where he could like try to figure things out defensively. But he didn't even give himself that. He's like basically like, oh well, it was shitty last year. We'll just make it better this year, and it was just as bad, maybe even worse. And you know, he fired him after the South Carolina game, which of course he should have because that was terrible. They got blown out by South Carolina, a team that has done nothing against anyone with a pulse all year. And, uh, you know, it just such a dreadful year considering the start where they like were two points off from Alabama. And it's just, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to the future because, as of right now, it looks like Billy Napier is the leading candidate for the for the head coaching position at Florida. And, you know, I like what he has to offer. You know, he's uh, learned under Nick Saban. He's a really good recruiter. He focuses on it highly, um, considering he's at a school like Louisiana Lafayette, where it's uh, a struggle to bring athletes to. He has done quite well. I think they've only had uh, the last – two or three years, a handful of losses. Um, and they tied for the, they were co-champion with coastal Carolina last year. Um, mm-hmm. there wasn't a, a, a conference championship game, but they've, they've performed very well since he's been there. Um, you know, he's, he was a OC at uh, Clemson at one point. And, um, I just like him. I think he seems like a good dude. He like, knows what needs to be done. He's very in the mold of CEO that you have to be for a big college program coach. And I don't know, what are your thoughts of this whole situation, Ian? It's pretty much, you know, I've had a lot of people, you know, they've, you know, they've told me, uh, what, uh, do you think Mullen should have stayed and all that? Because he had those three years that were very good. And honestly, I and I on at least to the game itself, I wasn't surprised that we lost. I, you know, I it, it was funny, it was ironic that that would be the way his final game would be because the defense actually stepped up and that was one of the best games they played all year. And it was the offense that you know, and the play calling that was really the problem. But I remember saying, and I've kind of told this to other people, I said, I'm okay with them firing him because it wasn't going to get better. When you, yeah. the only chance he had, I, and I said this even before the Missouri game, I said the only chance he had at coming back would be if he had a top recruiting class. If it was like top 10, even like top 15, he he could have had the opportunity. I think they would look at that and say, okay, he at least is getting recruiting in. This is just a down year. And this is more than, this is definitely a down year for Florida. Um. But it, it it wasn't going to get better. And I, yeah. again, I, I remember saying it. I've been saying it ever since the Georgia game when Georgia blew out Florida, and I was seeing Georgia play. And I had that you know epiphany moment where I went, "It's that's never going to be us with Mullen." Um, and and yeah, sure enough, it it wasn't. I I feel I'm I'm really just glad it's over. To be honest, I'm. You know, I don't have to, you know, hear the whole thing about he should be fired or Mullen is this, this one of the first, you know, coaches to allow this. It is pretty stark to see how he went, you know, from the SEC championship to getting literally fired almost not less than a year later. Um, 
But when you have that many losses, uh, and especially when the recruiting has not been there, and it wasn't really there, to be honest, for the whole of his tenure, it, it's it was time to make a change. And I don't feel... Uh, not feeling bad is a, a strong word. Um, I, I kind of feel like apathy at this point. I'm just like, I'm again, I'm glad it's over. It's, you know... The whole thing is, you know, done. Uh, so we just can move on, press the reset button. I look back on it now. I, I will say, with Mullen, it was the most fun I've had as a Gator fan since I was a kid. It was definitely fun winning those games, going to the bowl, bowl games and all that. It was, That was at least fun, but it was definitely time to move on because, like I said, it, it wasn't going to get better. Yeah, and, you know, it's... Um... I'm, you know, as a fan, I was very appreciative of the fact that he uh, brought a level of offensive prowess that hasn't been around here since Tebow was here. And, um, you know, the it's just frustrating that the team had such good offenses the last several years, but yet the defenses have been the problem. And it's like, you know, in those years when Muschamp was here and even a few of the McElwain years, you know, the defense was really what saved them. Like it was really the only thing that was worthwhile of these teams with, with those two guys. And then when Mullen gets here, it was like the complete opposite almost. I mean, in the first year, the first and second year, it was the defense were strong, but it was like the last two years have been terrible. And, you know, like you said, you know, it was less than a year from when he got into the SEC championship game and took the the championship, you know, the national championship team to the wire. And it's like they weren't that far off last year from making the playoff, from contending for a national championship. It was literally a fucking shoe throw. Like if Marco Wilson doesn't throw that shoe, they beat LSU and then they have everything to play for against Alabama and maybe they beat Alabama and maybe they get in the playoff and then who knows what happens from there. But it's just like, it's so wild to see what happened from that exact moment from those last like two weeks of the season to where now it was just like, I mean, they lost against LSU. They lost against Kentucky. They lost against South Carolina. Um, they only had two SEC wins. They beat Tennessee and Vanderbilt. And it's just like, I don't know, man. I, I'm disappointed and um, I'm struggling to, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I wish it didn't end that way. I really liked Mullen's offense. And so that's why I liked what was going on, but it just seems like, Something had to go, and we talked about it. The the recruiting is the difference. If the if the recruiting had been better, like you said, then more than likely he could stay. But he just couldn't pull it together recruiting wise, and it doesn't seem like he really like made that great of an effort. Which that's what's such a remarkable thing. It's like, dude, if you just put any effort in, you could have got a top seven class, and that's all you really needed to do was get in striking range of all these teams 
And then you could, because of his coaching and his like uh, acumen for uh, play calling that he could beat all these teams, but he just, I don't know. He just seemed to like not give a shit about it. And truthfully, we don't know for sure if he really didn't give a shit about it, but we just, for we see from the results and that's what proves that he probably didn't. And uh, I don't know what, so who, who are some of the coaches you think that could be possibilities for um, the position? What, what are your, uh, who are your leading candidates or who do you want or what do you think so far? Uh, I will say I'm very, at least before I like give my like list, I'm from now on, I think I told you this and I've told everybody, uh, I, after Mullen, I will not be excited about a coaching hire until they actually like win something. Cause I, I mean, I told you and you were, and you know, this, uh, from the very beginning, I was on the train with Mullen the day he was hired because I thought for sure he was going to be the one to bring us back and win national championships and compete for SEC championships. Um, so I've learned my lesson from that, and I'm just going to be like, okay, it's a hire, regardless if I think it's good or not. We'll see what happens. Um, I remember Bob Stoops were trying to drag out of retirement, but that is looking less and less likely. The leading can candidate is billy napier uh which you know personally i remember saying to myself at least in for for florida i would really kind of prefer a coach that is not from a group of five conference or a team or a coach from one of the snowbird uh teams and the power five up north because it is a completely different animal jumping into the sec um with that being said, I honestly, if you want my dream hire, I would love to have Lincoln Riley. Uh, That's I know not going to happen. Yeah, I know there's been rumors about him leaving Oklahoma, but I don't see it. But if I had to pick one, it would probably be Lincoln Riley because uh, I know he can, you know, run an offense extremely well, and he can recruit like nobody else. Um, the, the, honestly, and I know this is way under the radar. My perfect dream hire would have been Matt rule who's currently the coach of the Carolina Panthers um because I don't know I don't all you I think the Gators would have to do is just go to Carolina open the briefcase and say look it's your team you make the decisions you don't have anybody hanging your over your head you don't have to worry you know about all this stuff uh and Carolina the Panthers haven't had the most you know you know explosive season this year and i would love to have him because he took a team that was on the verge of the death penalty in baylor to beating oklahoma and going to the big 12 championship so i think he could easily do that at florida um that isn't looking likely but if i had to i mean if i have to make a pick i'd probably say i don't know i mean like i said i'd love lincoln riley but that's not going to happen i would be you know i think you know, Billy Napier would be a fine hire. Same thing if, you know, we were able to get, I've, I've heard we've been trying to, you know, flirtations with Mark Stoops at Kentucky to see if we can, you know, have God, him. God, no. God, uh, no. Please, God, no. That's what, I, I've heard that. I, you know, I would like Lincoln Riley. I just know it's not going to happen. I mean, I really think what's going to happen is, Billy Napier. I mean, more all, all <laughs> so, pointing that way. 
So shout out to someone at work. Uh, this guy I just met the other day, but I, uh, his name is Matthew. He's a LSU fan from Louisiana. Um, he was saying that he thinks that Billy Napier is going to go to uh, um, to LSU, but I don't think so. I just I think it seems that it would be a perfect fit, but I just think that I don't know. LSU just doesn't seem like he would go there. I think the reason why I think it would be Florida is because um, they're building those new facilities. So he's going to be the first coach in, or like the, the, the coach into it. And so, um, and I think he knows he could get really good recruits there. But the other thing with like LSU, when I've talked to people before is like LSU uh, corners, the market in Louisiana because they're the preeminent school. And so they get all the five and four stars there and they don't really have any challengers. Most, most other team, uh, most other schools don't really go into Louisiana to contend with LSU. LSU pretty much, you know, takes all of those guys. And that's all you really have to do to be able to be a strong team is to take all those guys. But I don't know, man. I, I think that Florida has a really good shot at getting him. I think he's definitely the number one, like get right now. I think everyone wants to get him and he's probably I think he's like right up there with Wayne Kiffin. Yeah. But I just, I, with Lane, I'm. Oh, I, that's the thing. I know there's a lot of people who want Lane Kiffin. I, 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 I really don't. Cause it's like, what Lane Kiffin are you going to get? Uh, I know it's, you know, he's a great play caller and I'm, you know, excellent at recruiting. I, I don't know if it would work out the same way it would at Florida as it would at like Ole Miss. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. Let's move on. Cause we could talk about this forever. Okay. So last couple of games, Oregon, Utah, uh, Utah upset some 38 to seven, uh, this game was never really close. Oregon really just really never had a chance. Um, your thoughts on this game, Ian? Uh, yeah, Oregon really in, goes for the pack. I don't know if I called this upset, but I definitely called Utah keeping it close. Um, I, I, it was just disappointing because Oregon literally had the whole weight of the Pac-12 on their shoulders, and the Utah Utah once again – you know, finds a way to, you know, kind of crash the party uh, in the end. Uh, and th- that was the thing. They kind of exposed Oregon uh, the whole game. They were able to c- contain the rushing attack and Brown, the, uh, uh, at you know, the quarterback for Oregon, wasn't really able to get anything going because the rushing attack was just stuck in the mud. So there was really nothing to set up. Meanwhile, Utah was just, you know, had their system in place of ground and pound, uh Run, you know, running it through the uh, Oregon defense. So it was overall a uh, good win uh, for Utah to just kind of run through and demoralize the Ducks defense. Yeah, I mean, pretty much ends their chance at a uh, uh, CFP berth. And, uh, you know, Utah is looking pretty strong. I wish they hadn't lost the 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 ones that they lost early in the year because you know you could see them contending for a possible playoff but now it's like way too out of the realm of possibility for either of them so 
Um, I think Utah now leads the division, right? Don't they have the shot at the getting into the Pac-12 championship game? Um, Utah, yeah. I if they're in the like north or south division, I think they're yeah, they're so they're in first place in that division. So ironically, I think they would play uh Oregon. Yeah, they will play Oregon. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on. Dude. This team, Oklahoma State, beats Texas Tech 23 to nothing. I'm really, really getting on board with this team, dude. And, you know, we'll talk about their matchup coming this week, and, you know, that'll be their huge test. But, dude, just this defense, I would I, – I have to say, as much as everyone likes to give Georgia as much credit as they do, Georgia has not played a good offense Oklahoma State has played plenty of good offenses all year long, and they've been basically the best defense, like that the both the best battle tested defense all year. I would hands down can say that. I I think you have to say that with this performance. I mean, Texas Tech can put up points and they scored nothing, and they pretty much blanked them the entire time. You know, uh, Oklahoma State's offense scores enough to be able to. Uh, you know, contend every week and their defense is just dominant. Um, what stands out to you in this game? No, it's the same thing. It's just, this was a typical uh, Oklahoma state game where the defense, uh, as we've seen all year, was able to just, you know, strangle Texas tech and not give them any life. I definitely would have, you know, it would have been more impressive to see, you know, Oklahoma state put up the bigger numbers, but I know that wasn't like, there wasn't the necessity. The necessity was, you know, shutting them out. And Texas Tech had, you know, was stuck in the mud, and Oklahoma State definitely wasn't going to help them out. Uh, I th- man, I think only Texas Tech had barely over 100 yards in the, of total offense the whole game. So I, I agree with you. It's definitely one of the best defenses in the whole uh, country. Yeah, so let's move on. Okay, Louisiana, Liberty, I just want to do this one because, you know, because we're talking about Billy Nape. Billy Napier, uh, Louisiana Lafayette wins 42, 14, just solid. You know, uh, the one thing that I notice, um, you know, special teams points, that's, that's something if Florida gets in the future will be huge because Florida has not had very, very much special teams points, like as far as like outside of field goals and extra points. So, um, and also defensive points, which, God, I think Florida hasn't had a defensive score since what was it? The um the uh, Joe Burrow interception return for a touchdown. I really think that's the last turnover for a touchdown. Um, then oh, might be. I, oh, oh no, no, the no the one it was um Johnny Grenard. Jonathan Grenard had a a fumble return. Those are like the last two I can remember. I don't remember any others the last three, four years, which is terrible. Okay, let's move on. Heisman, Ian, who do you have in your Heisman uh, rankings this week? Uh, You know, Bryce Young, Matt Corral, and Kenny Pickett. Yeah, that's it, man. There's really no one else. There's no one. Like, there are good players, but these three are really the guys, and there's only two more weeks of the season. There's this week and then the conference championship. You know, Bryce Young and Kenny Pickett are both going to get a chance to uh, get an extra game there over Corral, but we'll see. I, I like Bryce Young's chance at this point, especially after that five, that 559 game. But like I said the before in the beginning of the, the, the this episode, I was saying how, 
you know, if you took uh, Pickett and Young, I think Pickett, you know, they're pretty even for the most part. This game against Arkansas really uh, threw it a, another wrench into the gears as far as uh, 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 upping the level for Young. But either way, I like their chances in this. Uh, you know, I like Bryce Young's chances going forward. What, what, what's your uh, thoughts on this, Ian? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you the same way. I, I like because this is the last. Well, at least you know they're going to take into account uh, the conference championship, and then it'll be the Heisman. But I, I, I'm, I'm with you the same way. I'm at least for the Heisman's. It's kind of clear cut. I don't see anybody really challenging these guys because it's we're at the point where you can thin out the field and figure out who has separated themselves from everybody else. And I think it has been this these three. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. Uh, the playoff teams. So I'm just going to give the actual teams and then one of my like possibilities at the fifth spot, and then I'll, we'll move on from it real quick. And I'll ask you as well, if you, anything, any changes. So I got the, the actual CFP teams are Georgia, number one, Ohio state, number two, Alabama, number three, and finally Cincinnati, number four, we've been talking about it all year. Finally, Cincinnati gets put in the rankings. And then uh, number five, Notre Dame, and number six, Michigan. The only thing I would change is I'd have Oklahoma State at number five. Anything you see differently on that list? Uh, my list is I, I always flip-flop a few things. Um, I do have Georgia at number one, I, Ohio State at number two, Cincy at three, Bama at number four, Oklahoma State at number five, and Michigan at number six. Who was number five? Oklahoma State. Oh, nice. Dude, we great minds think alike. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, and I don't like the fact that Notre Dame is that up that high. The only reason they're there is because they didn't lose another game, which they had a really easy schedule. So of course they're able to uh keep moving up the ranks because you know when you don't lose, you just keep moving up. So all right, let's move on. Week 13, there's a lot of games. There is like, I think like 22 or 23 games. We're going to go through this relatively quickly. Let me set this up real quick before we start. Um, Okay. One second. Okay, Ian, first game. Well, we already talked about it. We gave our scores. Um, which is the game today that just happened a few hours ago. And it was the Ole Miss-Mississippi State game. Ian said 38-36 Rebels. I said 52-42. And then the final score was, I believe, like 31. uh, Let's see what it was. It was 31-21, yeah. So we were not that far off, you know, we do actually a pretty good job for the most part of picking games. So I will say that, you know, like I said, the Oklahoma, Iowa state game, I was dead on, but uh, okay, let's, let's move on. Uh, Boise state, San Diego state. Who do you got in that one, Ian? Uh, for this one, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take San Diego state in a close one. Boise state has definitely had uh, offensively has had a good year with uh Bockenheimer. Uh, but I think San Diego state's going to end. I just went out barely. I'm going to go with a 30 to 27 win. Yeah, I'm going to say it's close as well. And I'm going to say uh, uh, San Diego State wins 32 24. Okay. Iowa, Nebraska. Um, 
Dude, I can't believe that Nebraska has as many one-score losses as they do. It's quite remarkable. I mean, it's I would be such a frustrated fan if my team lost these many close games as they have. So um, I'm going to say that Nebraska wins this one. I'm going to say Nebraska wins. I'm going to say 27 to, I'll say 20. What do you got, Ian? Uh, I'm going to give Iowa the nod here and another hate to break Nebraska's heart, but I think it's going to be another one score loss. <laughs> I definitely know Nebraska is going to be fighting, but I think Iowa will somehow, some way defensively will be able to put a stop to any attack Nebraska has. I'm going to go with a low scoring one, but I think it's going to be 24 20, uh, for Iowa. Okay. Um, Cincinnati, East Carolina. What do you got in this one? Uh, I'm going to have Cincinnati, and I think they're going to run away with it. I'm going to go with the Bearcats, 41 to 7. Yeah, I'm going to say like 52 to 10. It just seems like I put this one on there because, um, you know, they're finally ranked in the top of the CFP ranking. So, um, you know, I just wanted to put it up there just because you never know what happens once teams like finally get over that hump. Hypothetically, they still need to get yeah. in the playoff, but uh, you know, it's technically getting over that hump of getting into the top four. So, next one, Missouri, Arkansas. Who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, I'm gonna have Arkansas in this one. I just think they're a more well balanced team. Uh, and I know Missouri is gonna be coming off high after that win, but I know I think Arkansas is gonna take the win in this one. I'm gonna go with a 30 to 17 victory for the Razorback. Yeah, and I'm not far off from that. I got uh, 31-20. I just like Arkansas. They've had a really good year. Um, I can't wait to see who they play in the bowl game because I hope they fucking smoke whoever they play um, just to prove that, uh, you know, the SEC is more than just, you know, Alabama and uh, Georgia. Okay, uh, USF, UCF, the hated Central Florida Knights. Um, Ian, who do you have in this one? Um, yeah, you know, as much as I want USF to win, I UCF just a better team. And I think UCF will kind of take control and run away with this one. I, I kind of have UCF running away with this one. I'm going to go with the 45 to 24 win for the Knights. 45-24? Yeah, UCF. Yeah, I got UCF winning too. And I hate to say that. I mean, you know, I'm obviously a USF fan, uh, USF alum. I worked in the athletic department at USF, but I'm just being a realist on this one. I just haven't seen much of UF, USF promising lately. So I'm going to say they lose this one 35-28. Tobacco Road Showdown, UNC, NC State. I think this is a berth in the SC, or, uh, ACC championship game. Ian, who do you have NC State going up against North Carolina? Uh, this one, I, I'm actually going to call the upset uh, on this oh, one. I think, upset yep. alert, red alert, red alert. Yep. I think North Carolina uh, is going to find a way to win this one and upset uh, rival NC State. I think the offense, you know, again, it hasn't been as we what we expect or wanted from this season, but I think NC, North Carolina will have enough in the tank Uh to win this one. NC State is more balanced, but I think because NC State is such an offensively aggressive team uh, that I'm going to give North Carolina the nod in this one. I'm going to go with a 
38 to 30 win uh, Tar Heels. I'm going with 28-32 NC State. I like NC State. Um, they've been very solid all year. They've just um, – I like their quarterback. Their defense is solid enough. I think they'll be able to make plays. I, Sam Howell is still dangerous. Um, he'll be able to put up points, but not enough. And uh, NC State takes the win. Next one. Um <laughs> Washington State, Washington. I put this one on here because Washington State has a chance to go to the uh, Pac-12 championship. Um, Ian, who do you think is going to win this game? Uh, yeah, this is the uh, Apple Cup, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I, I'm going to give Washington State the nod in this one. Washington, you know, definitely has had a good season. Uh, but I think Washington State is, you know, has been much more stable both on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, I'm going to give the Cougars the win in this one. I'm going to go with a 27 to 21 win Washington state. Yeah. And I'm not far off. I got the 31, 21. I don't know too much about either of these teams so far this year. I really haven't been paying attention to either just because um, Washington has been kind of bad, but then Washington state has done better. It's just, they, I think they had a few losses. So they were kind of like, not really in the mix. And then they also, their coach got fired. So that was the other thing. So it's been kind of like a weird year for Washington state. So, and he got fired because he didn't want to take the vaccine or whatever. Like, dude, you're a fucking, you're a fucking moron, dude, whatever. Okay. Next one. Uh, what used to be called clean old fashioned hate. I don't know what it's called now because I'm sure. Well, you know, how like the PC police, how dare you like, hate anything, but whatever. So I'm going to say with this one, because it's obvious Georgia is going to win. We both know that it's just by how much I think Georgia wins 41. And I'm going to say Georgia tech uh, seven. What do you got Ian? Uh, I'm going to go. Yeah. You know what? I'll go 38 to nine. I don't think Georgia tech will be able to cross the goal line, but I think they'll be able to sneak in a couple field goals. So three field goals, not a two point, uh, uh, not a safety and a, a seven point touchdown. No, I, I, I don't see that. I think Georgia tech will just pepper <laughs> some field goals uh, in that game. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Penn state, Michigan state talk about a game of disappointments. Uh, I'm, you know, we talked about Michigan state earlier, very disappointed in their performance against Ohio state. I'm going to say Michigan state wins this one. I'm going to say Michigan state wins, uh, probably 38 and Penn state. I'm going to say, uh, 24. What do you got Ian? Yeah, this is going to be the battle of the extensions because both coaches got 10 years of extensions yeah. uh, this past week. Um, this one, I think it's, it's going to be close. Actually. I think both these teams match up well, but I think because of the rushing attack, Penn state has had a has struggled to stop the run. So I'm going to go with a 20, 27 to 20 win for the Spartans. Okay. Next one is. Ohio State, Michigan, but we hate both of these teams. Um, okay, so 
I'll give my piece on it before I let you go. So I'm going to say this. Michigan is so overrated. I mean, immensely. And I've felt that all year long. And, you know, we, we even kind of on the same wavelength because we talked about it in our playoff choices or our potential playoff teams and who was on the outside. It's just, I don't know, man. They just love to hype up this team just like they do with Notre Dame. Anytime they're, they have a decent record, they love to like go out of their way to kiss these teams asses. And, you know, I just don't see it with this team. I really don't. Um, let's, uh, let's go with predictions here. I'm going to say Michigan loses. I'm going to say they score like 20 points, which that's fair enough, but I'm going to say Ohio state scores like, uh, let's say 38. What do you got, Ian? Uh, I'm going to give Ohio State the nod in this one. Uh, I think Michigan's offense has been better, but I don't see them. Ohio State just show and flex how good they can be. I'm going to give the Buckeyes the win in this one. I'm going to go with a 40-24 to 24 win for Ohio State. 40-24? to 24? Yeah. Okay. All right. Next one, FSU Florida. You know, this game has been kind of terrible, you know, because even the last couple of years, Florida State's been terrible. But the years before that, Florida wasn't very good. So the rivalry has been kind of like boring over the last like decade or so. Um, I'm trying to think of the closest game there's been was probably that one when uh, Jameis's last year where. He he had like five turnovers in that game. And that's like the only reason Florida was really in the game. Um, And it was a close game. I think it was like a one score game or maybe even like a 10 point game. But that's probably the only close game that's been around since God, probably since Tebow has been there. But even when Tebow was there, they destroyed him. So really, honestly, it's hasn't been close in forever. I, dude, when I was growing up, because Ian, you're too young to know this, but when I was growing up, those games were always close. Like, you know, the choke of the doke was a tie game. Uh, you know, the the even Danny's junior year was a close game. Um, the, the, both, se- uh, the senior year game where it was 28-21. Oh, senior year, yeah, yeah. That was a one-score game. Uh, the what is it? Ninety seven when they greatest game ever played in the yeah swamp. yeah when you know Jacquez Green ran that curl route and uh, Fred uh, Taylor ended up scoring the touchdown after they were driving and then um, ninety nine was close um, that was at Florida that was at Ga- in Gainesville uh, the 03 game with uh, you know the the reason why. Um, replay is in existence in college football is because of that game. That's what a lot of people don't remember. I, I know you were still young, but like that was the game. Like I've never been more frustrated with how those calls went in my life. That was the worst. It was the worst officiated game I've ever seen. And it was, you know, at the same time, it seemed like the right sacrifice because it's like, you know what? We, we, we got screwed, but at least, it led to a greater good of, uh, you know, the, the, the sport taking up replay and 
that game was close. Um, the 04 game uh, where Ron Zook was fired, but he won that game. That was a close game. Yeah, Ron Zook, Ron Zook field. Yeah, 05 was a little bit of a blowout, and 06 was probably the last time it's been a close game because that was a, besides the one, the Jameis one. So that was 06, and I went to that game. It was in Tallahassee. It was a one-score one game. It was 21-14. And so that game and the Jameis game are the only two games in the last, like, 15 years that have been close. That's kind of terrible that, that is, this rivalry has gone the way it has, but – Maybe things will change. I hope so. I would like to see more competitive games out of both these teams. But as we do that long history of the rivalry of the last 30 years, Ian, what is your score prediction? Um, I just think – Keep in mind has- Keep in mind that Anthony Richardson is the prohibitive starter as of right yeah, now. Richardson will start. Uh, Emery got hurt Monday or something with his ankle, yeah. so Richardson will start. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I I I just think Florida State has more to play for in this one and they're gonna want it more. I think Florida's gonna be fighting, but I think Florida State's just gonna come out and w- just put up more points and I don't see the defense stopping them. I'm gonna go with a thirty one to twenty uh win for the Seminoles. Prove me wrong. Thirty one to twenty? Thirty one to twenty Seminoles. Okay. I'm gonna go with Florida State scoring 31, but I'm going to go with Florida scoring 35. I think Anthony Richardson will be the difference. I think he's going to be able to score some points. I don't think Florida State's defense is very good. So when you don't have a good defense, you're apt to give up a lot of points. And maybe Florida's defense can get the stops here and there, and that's what I'm thinking. So moving on, Texas Tech, Baylor. Baylor with a chance to go to the Big uh, Big 12 Championship who do you have winning this one, Ian? I think with everything on the line here, um, it's definitely going to – I think Bay- I, I, Baylor is going to win this one. Texas Tech hasn't really been able to put up enough fight. They did just get shut out by Oklahoma State too. Um, I think Texas Tech will put up some points, but I think Baylor knows this, you know, how important the game is. So I got Baylor winning this one. I'm going to go with a um, – Let's go 34 to 17 win uh, Baylor Bears. Yeah, and I'm not far off from your prediction. I got Baylor winning um, uh, 20 or 30 to 20. So I I then like Baylor's chances against whoever comes out of the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, yeah, definitely great year for Dave Aranda. The first year. His first year, right? This is his first year at Baylor. Or second year? No, it's second year. Second it's year. It's the second year. Yeah, yeah. Because they he left after the championship game. That's right. Because last year was Bo Pelini at LSU when that which was terrible. So, um, moving on. Wake Forest, BC, Boston College. Who do you got in this one, Ian? Yeah, Wake Forest needs to win this one to firmly clinch their spot uh, to the ACC champion championship, and I think they do it. Uh, BC hasn't been a slouch this year, but I think Wake Forest um, is a more even playing ground than they were against Clemson. So I think with that matchup, Wake Forest will win this one. I'm going to go with a 38-25 to win for uh, the Demon Deacons. 
And I'm only really like a field goal off from you. I got 41-24 Demon Deacons. I just like their ability to score points. They didn't perform greatly last week, but that could just be because Clemson has a really good defense, which, you know, they do. So uh, that's that's definitely um, a proven fact. So let's move on. Ian, I'll let you take this one. Your team, the Roadrunners, go ahead with this one. Yeah, you runners versus uh, North Texas Mean Green. Uh, North Texas, I think, is going to struggle in this one. The defense hasn't been able to stop the passing attack very well this season, um, and that's just a recipe for a disaster against uh, the Roadrunners. So I, I'm going to take UTSA winning this one. Maybe not like big, but I definitely know they're going to be able to put up enough points because I know North Texas hasn't been able to, like I said, stop the – the passing attack. So I'm going to go with the Roadrunners winning this one. I'm going to go with a 45 to 29 win for UTSA. And again, I only know that little bit of what I watched this week. So I don't know too much about UTSA or North, North Texas. I'm going to say it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go with 24, 20. That's just what I'm going with. So take that with a grain of salt. Okay. Iron Bowl. Who do you got, Ian? Iron Bowl, Alabama, Auburn. Uh, I think Alabama wins this one, and they win it with, you know, plenty of points. I don't think the defense will be able to, you know, really contain Auburn, but I think they'll do enough to, you know, win the game. I'm going to go Alabama winning this one 39-20. Yeah, I'm not far off. I got 45-22. I just like Alabama's offense. Um, I don't know. Some I heard – I think it was uh, Colin Cowart saying that they didn't have that great offense this year. I'm like, yeah, dude, uh, last year was like one of the best offenses ever. Just because this offense isn't up to that doesn't mean it's not a really good offense. Uh, they're going to score a lot of points. And like I said, I think they're going to score and they're going to win 45-22. Okay. Uh, another game that will decide the Pac-12 championship, Oregon State, Oregon, Oregon coming off that terrible loss to Utah. I'm going to say Oregon wins this game barely. I'm going to say it's going to be close. I'm going to say uh, 29, and I'm going to say to 27. So a very close game. What do you got, Ian? I almost have the exact same score. I think Oregon's going to hit that this one. Literally 30 to 27, Oregon. <laughs> Damn. One point off. That's remarkable. Okay. What's the next one? Wisconsin, Minnesota. Okay. So um, I think this one uh, has the Big Ten uh, birth on the line, too, right? Am I. Am I right? And what, um, both, of, both of these teams are still eligible or still um, up for up for grabs, right? Isn't that what it is? I, I'm almost positive. Uh, let me check. I'm pretty sure. Um, Regardless, yeah, if, Wisconsin, if Wisconsin, I think if they win, they edge out uh, Iowa, right? Yeah, I think they would edge them out. Yeah. Okay. So. Wisconsin has a ton to play for. I'm going to say Wisconsin wins this one. And I'm going to say Wisconsin wins a low-scoring game. I'm going to say 20 to 13. What do you got, Ian? 
I think I'm I'm gonna go with you on this one. I think Wisconsin is gonna win this one. Minnesota has struggled uh, to beat teams they are at least even playing field with. So I think Wisconsin's gonna kind of suffocate uh, the offense and win this one. I'm gonna go with a 27 to 14 win for the Badgers. The Badgers, the stinking Badgers. Okay, yeah. Texas A&M, LSU. I'm going with a. I don't know if I could say a blowout. I I just LSU has been very crappy all year. I'm going to say A&M wins. I'm going to say they win probably 27 to like um, 11. That's what I'm going to go with. What do you got, Ian? Uh, I'm going to give A&M the win in this one. I've, I'm kind of with you. Uh, I think A&M is going to control this game. I'm going to go with a 37 to 13 win uh, for the Aggies. Nice. Okay. Probably the biggest game of the day besides the Michigan uh, Ohio State game. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam. Ian, who you got? I think just, you know, based on the what I've seen this year, Oklahoma State has had the defense and has been more consistent to really cause Oklahoma trouble. I'm going to go with the Cowboys winning this one in a very tight game, but I think they do enough to contain the uh, offensive attack of Oklahoma and put up enough points. I'm going to go with uh, the Cowboys winning this one. I'm going to go with a 28-23 to 23 win for Oklahoma State. Yeah, and, you know, th- this game determines who goes to the Big 12 championship because I'm almost positive because Baylor beat Oklahoma that – Oklahoma would be out because of head-to-head. Baylor has the head-to-head. So then it would be Oklahoma State against Baylor. So everything is on the line for both of these teams, a playoff berth potentially. Um, You know, all year Oklahoma State's defense has been phenomenal. I mean, like I I said earlier, the best defense against – the, the best battle-tested defense all year. I think that's the best way to describe them. And, and not only that, but they're always able to score at least like 20 or so points against any team. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I think Oklahoma State's going to score 24, and they're going to beat Oklahoma, who scores 17. So 24-17, I got Oklahoma State winning this one. And going up against Baylor uh, in the Big 12, uh, Big 12 championship. All right, last four. Pitt, Syracuse. Ian, what do you got in Pitt, Syracuse? Uh, I got Pitt and Pitt big. I'm going to go with the Pitt Panthers. I'm going to go with a 42-14 to 14 win for Pitt. Yeah, I got 42-14. Uh, to 14. Yeah, 42-14 Pitt. Yeah, I got uh, Pitt 38-10. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a blowout. Okay. Uh, Clemson, South Carolina. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I'm going to have Clemson, but I actually think it's going to be a bit tighter. Uh, I don't know if Clemson can really keep riding the offense this season because it hasn't been as consistent. So I'm going to go with Clemson winning this one 27-17. Yeah, I'm literally like two points off from you uh, because I've got – Clemson winning 28-19. I just don't like South Carolina. I mean, I know they beat Florida, but that really doesn't prove anything this year. Like anybody, everyone's beating Florida this year. So, okay, last two. We'll do real quick. BYU, USC, who do you got in this one? 
Uh, I got BYU winning this one. Like I said, just USC is kind of just going through the motions. So I'm going to have uh, BYU winning. I'll go with a 30 to 10 uh, victory for the Cougars. Yeah, and I got it um, uh, 32 to 20. Okay, last one. Cal, UCLA. I'm going to have UCLA winning this one, but I actually think it's going to be closer. They're going to kind of be repeating the same sins they did last week. Um, I'm going to go with UCLA uh, winning, let's say, 34 to 24 uh, with UCLA pulling away late. Yeah, I'm going to say UCLA scores 41, and then Cal puts up like, I'm going to say like 20. Okay, so that is it. This is the last week of the regular season. There might be like a smattering of other games after this as far as regular season games. I think Cal plays USC and then the uh, Army-Navy game. But the rest of it after this week are championship games, and then we get into the playoff and bowl games. So this has been basically the whole season. This is our last real regular show because after that – the shows are much smaller because there's a lot less to talk about game wise. So the shows will be a lot smaller as far as like maybe only like an hour. Sometimes when we get to the last, you know, show of the year, it's only like a half an hour, but um, thank you for listening. Uh, Let's give out our socials before we go. Uh, You can reach us at haterradio.com for all the articles we post. We don't have anything right now, but we might do something um, in the near future. We'll we'll see. And then uh, you can reach us at hater underscore radio at hater score at hater underscore radio, both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Ian, what are your socials real quick before we go? Yeah, uh, my socials are uh, G Gator G for YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, G underscore Gator underscore G. All right. And then you can also reach us at Hater Radio for YouTube as well. Um, the podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all your major po- podcast platforms. You can find this, this podcast. Um, Thank you for listening. My name again is Chris McLean. My co-host, Ian. Yep. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's right. hard to do it when, when I don't have the video on. No worries. <laughs> Ian, all right. Thanks, man, for a great week. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. And we'll talk about the conference championship games. Take care. All right. See you all.